0: All right, my talkers, happy sticky Wednesday, swassy Wednesday, hot Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. It is a hot one out there, and it's going to get even hotter in here because Lori and Julia are here to entertain you for the next three hours. How is it going, guys?
1: Well, pretty good. We got some sad news about an hour ago that we'll cover at 315. Mm-hmm. But in the happy news department, the morning started off with I got several um gifts of Mick Jagger dancing from friends who know <laughs> of my lifelong crush on Mick Jagger, who is 80 today. good we'll on him. Oh, Philip, Philip, Michael Philip Jagger was born <laughs> on July 26, 1943 to a gymnast and a BE instructor. And here's the funny thing about Mick Jagger. Okay, so one of the things that has always been a little halo in my life is that my parents were young. They were 17 when I was born. So like when they turned 30, I remember the birthday party my mom had from a surprise birthday party complete with a boob cake because they called each other booby and weenie. He came home (laughs) drunk. (laughs) From the NCO club and his bell bottoms and a brand new motorcycle he bought without talking to my mom. Oh, they had a fight, they had a fight, and then they had a dance party, and then they made up. But I mean, my dad, I mean, my friends kind of had crushes. I mean, it was could be awkward. So, you know, I made a long time ago, okay, I can have a crush on anybody that's a year younger than my dad, and Mick Jagger is a year younger than my dad cuz i was like I, maybe that also tr- contributed i didn't ever re- date older guys
2: right because neither did i
1: yeah but i mean like yeah. it was like my when i was you know 18 my dad was 35 I mean, and so strong. was my mom yeah. and so that's I, just wild it's wild so yeah. i let my cel- my celebrity crushes had to be a year younger than my mom And dad but Mm -hmm. mostly you know my dad they're the same age but um so Mick Jagger was always a year younger and so I never (laughs) felt you know anything about like that I was you know I was like he's my guy he's one of my guys and then when I got married to Casey I had they had to be a year older than his son right That I've let slip to the wayside as that kid's gotten older.
3: But with my crushes (laughs) for
1: older men, they always had to be a year younger than my dad. And Mick Jagger, forever a year younger. And I don't know where you found this uh, um, photo montage of uh, People Magazine
0: put out a life in photos, which is really cool.
1: When you look at young Mick Jagger, you will see why Harry Styles must play him in a biopic, because they are doppelgangers. And Mick Jagger posted a photo of himself at a keyboard and Keith, who will turn 80 in December, give me a call. Let me know what it's like. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's um, funny. So anyway, it was it was a really cute. He did that on Twitter and said, "Can't remember." And the you know the Stones are releasing a new album this fall and will likely go on one more U.S. tour to oh. promote it. And of course. Grant and I we'll be there. will be
2: there. I'll go to that
1: one. Will you go to that? Will yeah. you finally go? Well, this
2: one was too stressful to get the tickets. We were doing it on it,
1: it was just too much work. Yeah. I, remember, I just, yeah, you know, I remember seeing them. It was either '81, I think it was '81. And the wheels, no, that was later at the Civic Center in St. Paul. And Lamont Cranston opened, Open. That's and that was the same tour that. Prince opened for the Rolling Stones on the West Coast. Yes, okay, they had different acts. Yeah. You know, and it was Lamont Cranston. And I remember going to Cimarron, up in Duluth, a boutique clothing store. I
2: remember Cimarron. And
1: getting cowboy boots, a black shirt that had jagged sequin flames coming down the front, and a matching glitter. Headband, <laughs> don't you wish you could find that? I saw someone today. I was at a, a, and a headband that you wore, you know, oh, around sure. your forehead is mm-hmm. how we wore that. The physical, that's good physical. the physical. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. um, there was a woman this morning. I went to the doctor's for an appointment, and she had a pink cast on with glitter all over it. She's and I said, "How Barbie of you?" Yes, and she says, "I did this before." Okay, you know <laughs> yeah. she's had it on um, for quite a while, and I'm mm. like, "It was so cute," and I'm like, "That's so Barbie, mm, so Barbie." Love yeah.
0: It. One more story about the Stones. I've told you guys this. My dad was at that infamous. Stones uh, c- um, concert at Excelsior at the Amusement Park back oh, in 64. The, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the song, the mm-hmm. first, con- it was part of their first U.S. tour in the United States and was one of their first stops and it was at Excelsior. My dad was there. and He
1: writes this, what's the song, Mr. Jimmy? You know, the, I can't always get because the Diet fashion.
0: Coke was the, the, the concept behind the Diet Coke. But yeah, that was my dad. And That's at that time amazing. at that time though, they were not they really were not res- liked. They were not liked. There were bottles being thrown. It was not a really well-received concert at that time when they <laughs> came here for the first time they were just too you know i don't know what it was but it wasn't a very well-liked concert at the time
1: yeah and you know mick and keith met in elementary school or primary school they right? call it england yes. and then they lost contact after a few years mick went to a different school and then it was during their college years that jagger ran into keith at a train station in kent and they found out in reconnecting that they both loved listening to Blues music, Delta mm-hmm. blues specifically, mm-hmm. and they went on to form a band called Little Boy Blue, and then the Blue Boys, uh, which included a friend of Jagger's named Dick Taylor, who he'd been performing with. But then they that band broke up, and then Jagger and Richards met Brian Jones and Ian Sto- Stewart, and the Rolling Stones were born.
0: Wow! Yeah. What a so story. anyway,
1: happy happy birthday, birthday. Back. Anyway, I love him forever. And I remember when he claimed he would be not performing when he was 40. He couldn't envision I, being a rock and roller well, at what's 40. What's so
2: weird is, remember growing up, 80 was... Ancient. You know, beyond ancient. Yeah. It was ancient times two. Yeah. And it's so, in 40 was just like, wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, my dad would always post these pictures when any of his kids turned 50 in the Duluth News Tribune to let people know that his... This kid was older than him now, you know, Yeah, because he, you know, just never thought of himself as old. And, you know, I get that from him. He was the oldest teenager in my life. He really was. He was, you know, even right down to how he dressed, (laughs) dressed. He never stopped dressing that my mom said he's been dressing that way since seventh grade, Mm -hmm. (laughs) cut off shirts, jeans rolled up, engineer boots, but then Mm -hmm. they became the last couple of years. Therapeutic engineer. Yes, <laughs> they, yes, they
3: did.
1: Yes, and uh, you know the leather hat, the leather bag I mean, he just uh, yeah. And back in the day, he would roll his Marlboros oh, in God. his uh sleeve of his white T-shirt.
0: Like James, was it James Dean that always did that? Or? Yeah, a lot of a lot, lot of 50s yeah. in the fifties
2: because you do not want to crush your cigarettes by sitting on them. Correct.
0: Them, they had the so, all soft packs back then, mm-hmm. no hard packs. Yeah.
2: Very uh, good, Julia. Listen, I, I you got those? Uh,
0: you got your dad's smokes, too, don't you? Are those soft packs?
2: My dad's? Yeah. Oh, that I still have? In the
0: freezer? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I do still have them. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah no, cool. I've totally It's been, for a rainy day Yeah. when someone needs a smoke, because mm-hmm. sometimes people come over mm-hmm. and need a
1: smoke. That's very correct. Some are yeah. in the
2: freezer, some are in the garage.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just silly.
1: All right, listen, we come back. It isn't that this is our story we can't get enough of. It is the story that made us beyond sad today. We'll be right back.
0: Grant here for Hoffman Weber Construction, your hometown experts for anything when it comes to siding, windows, roofing, doors, gutters, and even solar. Now, last night, I'm sure a few of you guys were woken up in the middle of the night by that massive storm that came through the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. It hit all the suburbs. So if you guys experienced any hail or severe damage to your home, reach out to Jason and the sales team over at Hoffman Weber Construction, because they're the guys that will take care of you from start to finish. Like I say, I've said this before, it is the best process possible. If you've got a trip coming up to go up north and you're like, hey, this might be a good weekend to take care of this, they can try to arrange that for you. So all you really have to do is have them come out for your free, free home consultation, check it out, call the insurance company once just to set up the claim and then from that point forward the team will handle it from start to finish. It's the best way to do it. The crew over at Hoffman Weber Construction know what they're doing. They know how to handle insurance companies and they know how to make this as easy as it can be for you and make it the best price possible for you as well. So reach out to the guys at Hoffman Weber Construction at hwconstruction.com for any of your needs. Denaid O'Connor
1: singing the hell out of the Prince written song "Um, Nothing Nothing Compares compares to You, which was the number one world single in 1990 the video as well as the song instantly iconic we got the news about an hour ago that Sinead O'Connor uh has passed away at the age of 56 she had been struggling and was out loud about um her 17 year old son 18 months ago got out of, like, a mental health institution mm-hmm. and took his life. Yeah.
2: And he was on suicide watch there. There.
1: And, and he got out. And he got yeah. out. And it is. she's talked about it. You know, like, it has been so difficult. So her family, um, the state, because she's three other children, is with great sadness we announce the passing of our, our beloved Sinead. Her family and friends are devastated and have requested privacy at this very difficult time. And... um You know, Sinead was outspoken in her social and political views and 10 studio albums in all. Her first album, The Lion and the Cobra, came out in 87. And then her second album was I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got and Nothing Compares to You was on that. Great album. I had it. I I had the CD. So, so good. Mm -hmm. And she won... um, a Grammy in 91 for Best Alternative Music, but boycotted the awards. She was also named Artist of the Year in 91 by Rolling Stone Magazine, and she was nominated for two other uh, Grammys in 1994 and toured, was on the Lollapalooza in 1995. And in 1992, she performed on SNL, and at the end of her song, she ripped up a picture of the Pope and um, uh, basically she ripped up a Pope of Pope John Paul, the and she was so happy that she did that because she wanted to call out all of the abuse that had been covered up by the church mm-hmm. and it was, you know, coming out, but she was the first person to take a stand and she, I mean, we'd have to ask John Bream or somebody, but I believe that she's the first female artist that was completely canceled, vilified. People clutched their pearls like so, so hard. SNL was going, you know, they they did not have her back. She was happy when she got off the stage. She was glad she made that statement and it changed her Career forever. Joe Pesci was the guest the next week on SNL. He took time in his monologue to scold her. Yeah, Madonna did. Yes, it mm-hmm. was just
0: like really everybody yeah. turned. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: and she she never she changed wow. the image of music in the early 1990s. In her 2021 memoir, she wrote, "Everyone wants a pop star, but I am a protest uh, singer. I just had stuff." to get off my chest. I had no desire for fame. And right. the way she sang, she was beautiful. I mean, you know, and I, that
2: video of nothing, I mean, you just can see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just iconic, that video. And that is such a beautiful song. And I, you know, Prince, you know, he, I was very happy with that. You know, what she did with it. She brought out all the emotion in that song. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know, we don't know yet if, you know, did she she take her life, you know, and she had really struggled and, you know, I don't know, this, this really hit home for me because both of my sisters have lost sons Mm -hmm. to suicide and my sister who I spent all last week with up in Duluth, you know, she just said it is the greatest living pain to live. Yeah when your child takes their life. She said, all you want to do is be with that, even if you have other kids. And I, she's talked about just, well, both of my sisters, uh, just it's just so devastating. And um, she just was, I, I just really felt, terrible hearing that because we've known that she's struggled and been well, troubled
2: and you know so here's kind of the backstory and you know she
1: um hi everybody this is adriana trejani i'm the host of you are what you read i have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now we get everybody from sarah jessica parker to Kristen hannah mitch album Susie essman
3: to the gym to work out
1: pretty sure that's j-lo and p.s the person behind all of
3: this is chris jenner llc
1: we drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends
3: blinded by the item listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the blinded by the item youtube channel
1: was born
2: you know in dublin ireland And, and when her parents divorced when she was eight she and two of her four siblings went to live with their mother And she would later claim her mother, who died in a 1985 car accident, physically abused her. And And she sang about the effects of abuse and um, consistently, consistently advocated for abused children. Mm -hmm. And she was diagnosed, I think, later. um, uh, She went on the Oprah Winfrey Show in like 2007. She said she'd been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She had attempted um, to take her own life in 1999 on her 33rd birthday. Being abused by a parent, I just think, yeah. would be the most God-awful
1: thing yeah.
2: ever. And I don't know mm-hmm. how people... I mean, she really struggled with it.
1: it, it but her voice is it's so... A beautiful.
2: Yeah. She really... She always felt, you know, she went missing. Do you remember that in Chicago?
1: Mm-hmm. She just... She she was she she very much... But yeah. but av- it really started, too, after that SNL performance, she... She's wrote in her book, when she walked backstage, there was literally not a human in sight. She was happy that she'd taken sure. the stand. All the doors were closed. Even my own manager locked himself in his room and oh. unplugged his phone for three days. But she said, a lot of people say or think that tearing up the Pope's photo derailed my career. I feel that having a number one record derailed my career. And tearing the photo put me back on the right track. I had to make my living. I had to make my living performing live again and that's what I was born for. I wasn't born to be a pop star. Yeah. So she was unapologetic 30 years later. She said it's the proudest thing she ever did and she was bold and brave and SNL, you know, even gosh, I think uh uh the late Phil Hartman went on David Letterman's show and said how hurt and offended the cast was. Oh, yeah, I
2: and I get that, Laurie. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: but but it, to yeah. a
2: lot of people, it's sacrilege. I mean, that it, well, it, to yeah. a ton of people, especially the time. I mean,
1: that would be seen. But as... She was trying to raise a, yeah, a, fine, a, but, a light, but yeah, but a, a light s- that was true. You're right, that William. that it was absolutely disgusting and terrible what the Catholic Church covered up by mm-hmm. just sending these priests just to different places. Oh, they, agreed. It was agreed. a massive was cover up, agreed. and she was the one yes. that lifted that. That made it be known. But until she did that, people didn't really think about it. Really? 1992. Mm. It was still very much.
0: Shh. Yeah. But I hear you, Julia, what yeah. you're saying, too, at the same time. It was, yeah. yeah.
1: But um, anyway, if she it, never? It, it, it's just so sad. Was, and and I'm glad we have her voice. Yeah. And yeah. We're going to play one of her bangers off of that album, The Emperors New Flows, when we come back. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Perfect.
2: Lori and Julia here with Ann Tressler of Tressler Law. Here's an interesting question from one of our listeners, Ann. She wants to know, can I stop my spouse from divorcing me?
1: Well, the simple answer is no. (laughs) Because we're a no-fault divorce state and you don't need a reason for a divorce, if one party wants a divorce and the other does not, the divorce will move forward. Unfortunately, these are things that you have to deal with, and that's when sometimes we're dealing with the emotional aspect. We have a lot of clients where we have to work through that to get to the point where they're understanding and engaged to get to a good settlement and accept what's gonna happen. Since she didn't want the divorce, can she make her spouse pay her attorney's fees? Not necessarily. The basis to ask for the other party to pay your attorney's fees is legally under need-based or conduct-based, and both are established on a case-by-case basis.
2: Boy, there's a lot of details with a divorce, and so this is why you should go see Ann Tressler. For a free one-hour divorce consultation, go to TresslerLaw.com or use my talk keyword, divorce
1: hey everybody thanks for hanging out with us it is time for another edition of the low j book club and we have a really sweet original wonderful book it's called how to be remembered and the author michael thompson is joining us all the way from Down Under. Hello, Michael. Hi Michael.
3: I am yes. Here Michael, you hi. Your book is
1: wonderful.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, Absolutely. you're so welcome. Okay, describe how to be remembered. What's what's the setup you give when you go to your book clubs and stuff?
3: Oh, okay. So the, the <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty simple premise, right? It is based just on on this idea that that. Um, on the, on the same day every year, uh, everybody who knows Tommy, the main character, forgets that he exists. So it happens on his birthday every year so that his family, his friends, um, his colleagues, everybody just forget him. He is wiped in their memory. Uh, and so the book is, is really about him trying to have what everybody else has and what everybody takes for, takes for granted in terms of a, a life, a relationship, job all that kind of thing. Um, And uh, it it sounds, even as I say that, it sounds like it's pretty grim and it's pretty dark. It is not. It is not. It's full of hope and love and relationships. It's about the power of optimism and, and the importance of, of resilience and bouncing back. And, and hopefully it's actually just a pretty fun, enjoyable read as well.
1: I loved it. it we really loved it. Loved it's so it's sweet. sweet. It's it really sweet. Is. And it was so clever and original. How you got the idea is how, so, what we have to ask yes, you Yes, exactly.
3: Well, it kind of came from two places. Uh, the first was thinking about social media and the stupid stuff that people put online. At times, that, that probably seems like a good idea at about midnight, mm-hmm. and then at about ten a.m. the next day is probably not the best idea they've ever had. And then they um, and then they end up deleting that, but it, but it's still there. It's still kind of it, it's a digital footprint. It is still going to be there in some trace somewhere online. Uh, and so I was thinking about um about everybody that probably would love to be forgotten, just entirely wiped in terms of in terms of online and have that have that erase and then I thought for for some reason i don 't know where where this part then came from, what about if it was the opposite? What if somebody just wanted to be remembered and there was something that was preventing that from from happening and and so that was kind of the 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 very basis of the story i thought oh that that 's definitely got legs. I reckon that could be a, a a decent um decent story and could sustain the full the full novel, but the other thing that happened was I had just finished in um, in radio myself, and um, had been working at a at a at one uh, media company here in Australia for about eleven years. And and you know how when you've been working in a job for a while, and you suddenly kind of you, you get very kind of used to it, and, and you you kind of feel as though when you go, nothing's probably going to be quite the same. That they're really going to miss you, and all of this. Anyway, I finished up at, uh, on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock. On that Friday afternoon, the phone stopped ringing, the email stopped coming, and at nine o'clock on Monday morning, somebody else was sitting at my desk, and I was forgotten. I was gone, and mm-hmm. the uh, and the legacy kind of that I thought I'd been um, I'd been kind of building and, and leaving wasn't really there. And, I, and in a in a professional sense, I was kind of forgotten, and so I I, I think that certainly led into um, mm-hmm. led into this because of that. About six weeks later, I started writing this book. And so in hindsight, the timing appears perhaps a little too uh, too convenient to be a coincidence.
2: <laughs> well, it, you know, that's an interesting concept you said. And obviously, it bothered you.
1: Well, and I didn't think, I think it, it would anybody. Yeah, because when you do a radio show, Michael, we've been doing our show 21 for years. 21 years. And I always think, I think... Gee, I wonder how we'll be remembered. And I thought, as soon as we're off the air, we're basically going to be forgotten. I mean, I know people will, we're friends in their head, but it's just the fresh talk every day that keeps you remembered. Once you stop doing that, hello.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. You are correct. And it's the, and and it's those relationships that you build. And see, you're in in quite a, a unique position because you're building relationships with your listeners every day and that that is, it does become almost quite a personal, a personal relationship. And I think that is kind of what, what this book boils down to as well, that, that really the way to be remembered is through those, those, those personal relationships and the, and the impact that you have on other people. Um, that, that might not necessarily be the impact that you think you are having at the time, mm-hmm. but that it can just be that the words that you use at a particular time. That it might be a fleeting encounter that you have with someone. It might be three words on one occasion and that that might stick with that other person for the rest of their life. And that could be the impact that you have on someone. That could be your legacy. So why not make it a good one? If yeah. you have the it, opportunity to make it a positive one, do in, that.
2: In the book, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Michael Thompson, who's Australian I think you're our first author that we've talked to in Australia. No, because we had the oh. lady who wrote the Dry.
1: Oh, you're right. Um, you're right. Again, Jane, oh, Jane Harper. Yeah, Jane yes, Harper. Yes, yes, we've yes, had her right. on a couple of times, you're right. but just with the time change and everything, right. Thank I don't you. know what time it's. What time is it there?
3: Uh, it is uh, six thirty uh, in the morning, so it's um <laughs> it's it's relatively early. <laughs> but, uh, I like to do most of my writing at about five a.m., okay, so it's okay. not too early. So it's uh, so it is
2: okay. It is. And one of the things about Tommy in the book, Tommy Leland. Llewellyn. Uh, Llewellyn I, I I pronounce things my own way. <laughs> um, is that every year on his birthday it was a reset. Yeah, and
1: every he's totally forgotten.
2: Yeah. But the thought of a reset and a second chance or you know for him it's like going back and like remember me remember me like me you know
1: but, well but I really kind of thought that that it's his optimism unbelievable you know, optimism. that that I think is really one of the gifts of the book is that you can you can chew I mean he is a really terrible thing everything he builds up he loses how do you be optimistic in the face mm-hmm. of that yet he does and that is the if that is the way I think if more people choose, would choose optimism, mm-hmm. they would be so much happier, irregardless of what is going on in their life. But many people don't do that.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, I mean, the thing is, at, at its heart, this book is a love story um mm-hmm. and it's the, the the kind of the the, the love story and the, the relationships that that kind of give him the reason to keep being optimistic because he can see what what the potential that is out there uh so that kind of keeps him kind of bouncing back but but yeah you you're right there there are periods kind of early early in the book and early in his life and in in, in adolescence where he is kind of spiraling uh mm-hmm. a bit and, and which i think kind of probably gives it a bit of Credibility, because no one could be that optimistic all of the yes. time in the mm-hmm. face of such awful circumstances, and so you do kind of see that that part where he does start to start to go down. But in the end, it, love is the, the kind of the big motivator that keeps him kind of keeps him going. And it's not just the, the romantic storyline, the romantic love. There's also friendship. Yes, there is this. 100%, that, which is a very yeah. it's a very basic thing, isn't it? That that you just need one or two really good friends, and they can pull you through an awful lot of stuff. Uh, and And that can give you the reason to be um, more optimistic and more resilient and just give you a bit more hope.
1: Um, I, we have to ask you because um, we've been in love with Margot Robbie for a long time, but I'm just wondering <laughs> have you how, <laughs> how proud are Australians that Margie, Margot Robbie with the director Greta Gerwig and Margot's production company, Lucky Chap Entertainment, which is such a lucky chap is such an Aussie thing to say, but how isn't proud it, are you guys of her? I mean, it's unbelievable.
3: Isn't Isn't it extraordinary what yeah. she has done? And, and Barbie is just taking over the world right now and it's been a huge hit here and I know it's been a huge hit in the States and it's just, it is just so exciting to see that, to see that happening on such a global stage. So, so we're, we're very proud of anyone that goes well and we are ultra proud of, um, of, of, of Margot Robbie and seeing this, this all happen. And the, the, um, the, uh, it's, uh, the film rights to, to How to Be Remembered, um, have sold as well and now I'm just gonna go, hey, hey, uh, and could be a little bit, um she's probably about right to play Carrie in this. I'm just yes. going to put out some alias names. Yes. now Put it out to the universe and just say, hey, you know what? You know what? Take a look at how to be remembered.
2: It is, you know, congratulations to you, Michael. So you were a, you were a radio broadcaster. Now you do a podcast. Uh Fear and Greed, is that your podcast?
3: That's right, that's right. So it is business news, so it's uh-huh. daily business news, which is kind of ironic because I don't actually know that much about business news. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I once read something about how the greatest job in podcasting is being the person who gets to turn up and, and uh, ask the questions of the other one who has done all the research. There you and, go. And it, is, and it is absolutely the case because I'm partnered on there with a with a fantastic kind of business journalist who, and I just ask the questions. And, and in doing so, it kind of makes business news a bit more... A bit more accessible and at the same time then i kind of spend kind of half a day writing and I've, I've i've just written my second book and and i've suddenly found this extraordinary kind of balance um, and, and getting to explore things in in books like how to be remembered and and when you kind of think about it, you try and kind of put it into a, a genre and you go, okay, it's it's maybe a little bit of kind of the Midnight Library, um, or maybe a, with a little bit of kind of Fifty First Dates and and things, and, and maybe a little bit of kind of the Rosie Project and everything thrown in there. Like, and you even I mentioned really Addie
2: what. LaRue, yeah, which is one of our favorite yeah, books ever. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the thing that um that's suddenly like, okay, it, it it doesn't really fit specifically into a genre. It's not really kind of speculative fiction, because that makes it sound like science fiction, Mm -hmm. or it's not really kind of magical realism, because that makes it sound like a full-on fantasy book. It is a book that is very much kind of grounded in real life, in our lives. Um, where it's just one extraordinary thing is happening to an ordinary person. And, and so it's uh, kind of along the lines of say the time is wife or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, and, but what I realized is that kind of while doing this podcast and being able to write is that there's this fantastic kind of rich seam of material where you can just take our lives and tweak one little thing and you've got a fantastic story, which is then what I'm doing with, with what I've done with my second book and what I then hope to do with the third book and and so on and so forth. And so hopefully um, hopefully this won't be the last time we're talking.
1: Oh, well, I love it. Well, don't, don't forget to have your publicist contact us when you're ready when the next book comes out because yes. we would uh, absolutely love to talk to you again and read your next book. We just loved How to Be Remembered. It was just an enjoyable Original,
3: wonderful Original. story. It's lovely. I'm so pleased that you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking the time to read it and, and for talking about <laughs> it because it's just, it makes such a difference when you have people, and, and I have found that this is really, it's kind of connected uh, with a lot of people and it's been really good for book clubs because it does go to that that, that, that really kind of fundamental question of how, how do you want to be remembered? Mm-hmm. What is your legacy? And if And if you were kind of, wiped in this way, or even in, in the, the way I was talking about before, with just kind of being wiped from wiped from work, essentially. Kind of how are people going to remember you and, and what is truly important in life? So I, I, it really means a lot that you've taken the time to uh, to read it and just talk about it, so thank we, you.
1: We would never not read the book, and we're always shocked when we find out that people have authors <laughs> on. And don't read the book!
3: <laughs> it, I, does, it does lead to some unusual questions. You've got to... Uh, <laughs> It was you're just gonna, a scene.
2: It. it was just a scene, and just like that. Yeah, you're right.
1: You're where right.
2: Where a, like a like an influencer was interviewing SJP for her, uh, her book on grief and, and grief. And then and what's asked, it about? Right. It was like a classic <laughs> yeah, first question. Right. We've had a few of those in the past. so I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But one of
1: us yeah, always, always reads, reads. it. Yeah.
2: Michael, what a treat for us to meet you. Can you tell us the last great book that you've read?
3: Uh, so right at the moment I'm reading Yellow Face, which is, which is extraordinary. Um, and, and the, the last, I've read so many books lately, but, um, A Fairy Tale by Stephen King oh, was, oh. was probably, was an absolute standout for me of the last couple of months.
1: Okay. All right. Very good. Michael, delightful to talk to you. Your book is How to Be Remembered. Thank you for, uh, waking up early, even though you said you'd be up writing anyway. We appreciate you and don't forget us.
3: Uh, I certainly won't. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Okay.
1: okay so Do we have fun. a couple copies? Yeah. Okay. 651 six, one, one, oh, Hey, everybody. Lori and Julie here for Hammernecks Interior Solutions. And uh, I have proclaimed floors, the facelift for the house or the apartment or the... Commercial building. Uh, well, I have to tell you. So yeah. they were right
2: at my neighbor's house today. That I told you it was so exciting. She's texting me because she's working. Are they there? And I'm like, yes. And I went over. They and, came and, and st- installed. Yeah, and I went over and said hi. I mean, nicest guys, the installers. I'm just like, oh, I, you know, I love Ted and Lynn. and they're yeah. like, yes, we do too. And it was just kind of sweet, but. You know, her; she's been dying because her entire house is going to be These so dramatically changed like, yeah. by the time she gets home from work today. And Hammernix, they make dreams come true. She's so happy working with Laura, the designer at the St. Paul uh, Rice Street location. Couldn't say enough. Was so glad that she mentioned Lori and Julia Yay. when she went in. And always remember Hammernix Flooring Solution. Upfront 12% discount on in-stock flooring. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are just, we're just delighted by Michael Thompson, the author
1: of How to Be Remembered, a novel. And, and we just listened to Sinead, uh, one yep. of the bangers off of that album, New Emperor's New Clothes. I used to pay DJs to play that, to play that There's song, because so yeah. it was such a fun song to dance to. I yeah. remember harassing the DJs at Lion's Pub, <laughs> oh, City right. Tavern. Of course you did. Oh, yeah. I that, I love dancing to that song. It was just such I don't know. It's just good song. But yeah, and hit, yes, I sure. love talking to Michael. Oh, oh he was so delightful. Voice. Oh, my God. He had the kind of thick Australian, Austra- Aussie accent that Margot Robbie said in her CBS Sunday morning profile that when she was on this Aussie soap called Neighbors, she had to be coat because it was too. Thick yep. of an Nazi, and he had a strong
0: Australian. I accent. always would love to have a friend. I've always wanted to have a friend from like Australia that would, hey, mate, that would just call oh. me mate or whatever. Oh, I, I lived
2: like, in Hawaii. They were always yeah. there. That's... I went to Australia, and they
1: dead. love America. Yeah,
2: I they think love America.
1: Cool
0: little, like, you know, just yeah. hanging out, having beers, and just yeah. letting them go. <laughs> <Put> another shrimp <laughs> on
1: the bar, babe. Well, yeah. Don't you remember Crocodile Dundee? I remember my oh. dad got. A crocodile Dundee. That was a the hat he vest. wore for oh, a while the,
0: with the alligator.
1: That hat. Teeth. Yes, yeah. yes. That uh-huh. was. Oh,
0: they had. That was a great movie. They had a couple of them too.
1: Yeah. Crocodile. Anyway, and then he optioned it for. Uh, should, should I tweet Margot? She oh, would yeah. be perfect to play Cecily. Cecily. That was in big the news. You know
2: let's do it after the show
1: i'm not going to do it now i'm not like you julia i don't do work while i'm on the radio (laughs) oh oh Oh, you're above it okay so this is kind of cute um GMA, uh, Lara brought us um, really a cute moment. Luke Holmes last night in concert. In Massachusetts. I don't know if, in Massachusetts. I don't know if it was a make-a-wish or the kid was just in the front row. The kid row. was in
2: the front row, but With I have sign. to say, yes, but he was wearing a Minnesota Vikings hat. But then it changed to whatever... Uh, He took the hat off when he he got up on stage. No, he performed with the Minnesota Viking hat on. Are you talking Luke Luke or the kids? Yeah, no, I'm talking about the kids. Oh, yeah.
1: I didn't even pay any attention to Luke because he was squatting down. I was just like, I can't believe this eight-year-old boy who's been fighting leukemia is up on the stage, loves Luke Combs. And singing a Tracy Chapman song. Yeah, singing. so we posted singing... um, What's the song again? You could drive a fast, fast car, car fast car, yeah. I it. it was really sweet. So, I don't know. I wouldn't even mind listening to it, but it's just precious. And but we did post it.
2: it, it is posted. It is. It really it's a, made me it's really like a feel him.
1: good. Feel yeah. good thing. I loved it. I know it. Okay. So, that Luke's is Luke's
0: one of the good ones. Luke Combs uh-huh. yeah. is yes, he's, he one, he's really one of the I uh, he, he does a lot for his fan base yeah he's
1: just yeah way to go so and then this story okay so i um when the news came out that britney spears album the woman in me which i can't believe they're having her book be called by the shen shenaya twain album that's the name of her album the woman in me just saying. I don't yeah. like the name.
2: No. The woman sh- in me is a Shania. But that- you just speak
1: out Britney? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I thought I thought that was weird that escaped I did too. her people, because that is a Shania. But a few weeks ago when she announced it would be released October twenty-fourth, um, you know, it brought it back the work. memories. There was a bidding war for this book. Yep. Simon and Schuster won it supposedly for fifteen million. The cover doesn't reveal the names of any co authors or ghostwriters, but we know that she did. I mean, but Prince Harry, you know, all these people, you know, they have ghostwriters. Yes. They yeah. Do. And uh, Jessica Simpson even had a co writer, mm-hmm. you know, that helped her. In any case, now the publication might be moved back a little bit further. Oh. Because Colin Farrell and Justin Timberlake are threatening to sue.
0: Oh, surprise from Justin.
1: That is expected from Justin. because He may get grief about Janet Jackson, but he had to get 10,000 times more grief about what he did to Britney. And I think he's the one that is uh, fighting this. And she, of course, they dated from 99 to 2002, having met on the Mickey Mouse Club in 92, which Mm -hmm. also had... Felicity Huffman, Ryan Gosling. Felicity might have been God, but Ryan Gosling, Christina Aguilera. Oh,
0: what a crew. Yeah,
1: we're in that. And then it was claimed in 2003 that Colin and Brittany had a, a fling of some kind, maybe a three month thing, maybe you know, a weekend. Yeah, whatever it, what was. it was. So lawyers for both. Now, this is a suspect sorting uh, mm-hmm. source, so they're not saying what. Lawyers are being employed by whom? But lawyers demanded to see her book in advance and were adamant that some of her recollections be removed. And um, so they threatened to sue if certain stories weren't removed. So I don't know if the editors removed these stories and that's it or they're still fighting about it. It's kind of unclear uh, what's going on. But we had heard this before that there was fighting about it. So, and I, you don't need lawyers unless you say something that I guess you would think has reputation.
2: Well, something d- that your, is damaging and, and you would need a lawyer if her, um, you recollection. Only, no, that's not true. Okay. You only okay. threaten
1: to sue if there's specific stuff you don't want getting out. But if it's true, you, you can't sue. Understood. Yeah. But if it's not true. It's trying to intimidate the author into having to pay a bunch of lawyer fees uh, They say it's all been settled. I hope I hope it's ready to go. The legal
2: process meant it was held up for the four months. It went back and forth.
1: Yeah, she's free to tell anything, as long as it's true. She doesn't have anything to worry, and I hope she didn't take a damn thing out. I'm with you there. You know? Yeah. Today, she's back on Instagram. Ah. She put it back up but disabled all the comments and did something about, well, I'm never going to lie to you like my family lied to me. Oh. You know, and so, uh, but she's disabled all the comments,
0: Back? which you
1: know what—that's probably a good that's idea. Healthy for her. I, sometimes I think that's she should have done it
0: so long ago. Yes, yeah, that's a healthy sometimes. I think, people, but she's also very curve.
1: fan. Yeah. Um,
0: She's integrated she, with her fans on a, on, a social media plat- on the social media platforms for sure. But maybe with that comment, let it sit back and just... And
1: I mean, who knows? Maybe Simon & Schuster is behind this and they're trying to get some pre-order wink-wink things going on. Ah, more, I
0: mean, more buzz, more Because really, more buzz. it's a
1: story about
2: nothing because we already knew all this. Yeah. And then it says... But what
1: we didn't know was
2: like... They we just assumed, assumed who it would be. We, we kind of right. made an assumption. And Colin Farrell was drinking back then and he's
1: sober
0: now. Yeah.
2: And
1: so... He, I don't. I don't see him having any problem either. with it at all i think it's all JT. i think it's all jt
0: me too yeah yeah did yeah. you see that monopoly britney spears edition came out now too i did see that 40 That's so bucks cute. you can wow. get it it's her own edition it's got all kinds of all the places you can buy her, her songs or albums i like what
1: her management team
0: is doing really cool yeah very cool so you can buy the monopoly britney I had Spears. Yeah.
1: to think today. her dumb dad was her manager for so long good lord all right yeah.